Why, hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Three Beers In. My name is Dom, and this is your one-stop shop for beer reviews and news. And here, for a little bit of a craft podcast about craft beer. Small batches, and a lot of attention to detail. Whether it's good or not, that's up to you. If you're joining us for the first time, I'm so glad that you're here. And if you're listening to us again, uh, why are you here? No, just kidding. I'm really glad that everyone's listening regardless. We got a pretty interesting show up ahead. Episode 134. I kind of messed up a little bit. I didn't, okay, I didn't really mess up. It's not my fault. But when I was at Beverage Island, I was doing my purchases. I kind of was in the fridge area and I saw all these New England style IPAs and all these crazy things. I wanted to get something different, something that was kind of generic looking. And I picked up this. I thought it was a generic IPA. Turns out, according to Beer Advocate, but I beg to differ. They categorize it as a New England style IPA, and I actually forgot to, um, or a Niepa, as I like to call them. I forgot to look up this particular uh, brewery or beer on like their website and stuff like that. But I did the, I did a, I wrote it out before. Uh, Solemn Oath Brewery and all IPA. So I thought it was just a generic IPA. I said, you know what? Let's do a little bit of a change of pace and have a generic IPA because I haven't done one of those in a long, long time. To just try to change it up from doing the Niepa so much. And um, it backfired because this appears, according to Beer Advocate, to be uh, exactly what I was trying to avoid. Interesting beer. A fun beer. And I'm going to give you my full opinion on it uh, later on in the show. I don't know what I'm going to even talk about today. No, we got a whole bunch of stuff planned in here. There's a lot of beer news out there, and there's a lot of stuff happening in the craft beer community, especially here on the East Coast, that I'm going to touch upon. Uh, but the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to jump right into the beer review, ladies and gentlemen. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to just jump right in. Haven't done that in a while where I just jump right into the beer review, but I think it's necessary uh, when talking about this uh, particular brew that we have here today. So, ladies and gentlemen, the the first uh, the beer that I'm having... Uh, for hold on, for this show is Solemn Oaths and All IPA. It's a six percent alcohol by volume IPA, or Niepa uh, or New England style IPA, as they say on Beer Advocate. And I was disappointed <laughs> that I grabbed another Niepa or New England style IPA or whatever you want to call it because I wanted to switch it up. So let me see if I could just maybe bring up their website here real quick. Uh, they're out of Illinois. I am over twenty-one. Yes, thank you. Uh, it, th- you know, the, the look of this beer was very plain. Okay, it's in a very, it's a, it's in a golden can and stuff like that. It's, it's you know, it's just, it doesn't seem to, it didn't stand out really much from the others, other than it didn't look bright and vibrant as the new labels are on some of these new beers and stuff like that. So, uh, what they have here on there, their, oh, and there's also like a snake eating itself on here, on the uh, labeling. It's kind of like. He's tied into a knot, and he's eating his tail, and there's like a rose by his, I guess where his snake balls are. I don't know the anatomy of um, this particular animal, or lizard. Is it a lizard? Is a snake a lizard? I don't know. So the end all. Uh, Sunshine colored with haze for days. This IPA boasts a juicy tropical fruit hop aroma with a massive orange citrus hop flavor. So they categorize the style as a hazy American IPA. It is 6% alcohol by volume and the IBUs are um, 65. 
They want it in a nonic glass? I don't even know what that is. Food pairing is mango salsa and tortilla chips. It's available in their tap room and also in cans. Let me just try to look at this place real quick. It's got a very interesting look to it. It's very, like, metal. You know, like, 80s metal, comic booky type look to it. Thank you for supporting our efforts to kill John Barleycorn. We couldn't do it without you. So there's obviously some sort of a um, a following with these people. They have a tap room. Uh, well, so where are they from? Let me just get there about it. Solemn, uh, Solemn Oath Brewery makes craft beer in uh, Naperville or Naperville, Illinois. We are driven by our passion for West Coast, Belgian, and barrel-aged beers. That's an interesting uh, take, you know, to have a brewery that's dedicated or... or uh, into Belgian styles because usually it's it's the other way around. Everyone, not the other way around. What am I even saying? A lot of breweries are into just ales, IPAs rather, and lager beers. You know, to see that you got a Belgian, you know, focus from a brewery is really interesting. When we opened in 2012, Naperville or Naperville, whatever you want to say, was no beer city, USA. Our proximity to Chicago allowed us to grow our business while curious locals navigated their way to our well-hidden industrial park. We weren't naive. This was wine, cocktails, and buckets of beer territory, and we knew that. Fast forward to today, and well, it's a different world out here. Our tap room uh, is open seven days a week, often at capacity. Wow, that's really interesting. Uh, you can't throw a rock, a rock in or around Naperville without hitting a solemn tap handle. Really cool. Uh, we're making more beer and more packages than ever before, and we're poised to keep growing. The story of our success is just the flip side of our oh, of your own story of hearing about Solomon, visiting our tap room and hearing the beer around town. So it seems to be a real customer approach here that I really like. John Barley schedule. So uh, I think this is pretty cool. You know that this beer was able to make it out here, and I was able to try it. There's a very long story here. I see an old guy working there. That's really good to see. Um, I think it has a really nice look to it. So anyway, uh, so so when I saw this beer, I said, okay, that's a can that's very generic. It's just a regular can, golden can. It didn't have a crazy label on it with crazy artwork or anything like that. I said, that looks like it's just going to be an IPA. Let me grab that. Picked it up. The second I opened this beer, I knew that they were going for a New England style because of the aroma that came out of the can. But I'm going to get too far ahead of the game here. So... Um, when I, when I opened up the can for the first time and I poured it in there, we got a, a, a very full, like, three fingers ahead right off the top. There's a bit of a haze to it. It's a deep gold color, uh, and the carbonation uh, is streaming upward from the bottom of the glass. I only opened two cans so far, but let me see if I can get a when this was packaged. Okay, I think it was packed. It's not really coming up on here. I can't seem to find it, but... Nonetheless, um, it's, it's, you know, we're going to get to it in a second. So it's streaming upward, um, and that's all you can really get from the look. It's just a deep gold color. It has, it, I knew it was going to be pretty carbonated, but the amount of um, uh, foam that came off of it and uh, the the intensity of the of the bubbles up streaming of the carbonation streaming up from the bottom uh, so then right off the bat I was just smacked with like passion fruit right in the nose as soon as I opened the can and it happened again when I opened this can over here you know I just really couldn't get over the aroma that was coming out of the glass which was about a foot and a half from my face it was on the table and I'm writing over here and the aroma was just wafting in and, and it got me really excited you know it just like it, I, like, 
it, you know, I just was really pumped to be like, oh my god, this might be a serious juice bomb that I've been waiting for, you know, because, you know, lately they've, they've not been bad, but they haven't been, like, crazy good. Uh, there was a sweet uh, fruit aroma that just hit me right in the face, um, right out of the can. Um, what else did I write here? It has a hop, it does have a hop smell to it, but it's not too dank, So, but it'll suffice. It's kind of like a, a little light on the hops, it smells like to me. Uh, it doesn't have a hop-headed aroma, I wrote. There is a citrus smell there to it, but like a lemony citrus. They said orange, but I'm getting like a lemony citrus there with the, uh, with the, uh, with the aroma. So, I mean, it's, it seemed like a middle-of-the-road middle IPA sort of, sort of aromas coming out of here, and not too too sweet. Let me do one more smell now. I'm going to get this fresh can here. Yeah, there's definitely a maltiness there. You, you could smell that the, the malt is, is what is going to shine with this beer. And then I got to the taste. So there was a very, very high carbonation. So for me, that, that you know, doesn't matter to me. I mean, sometimes it could wreck your mouthfeel a little bit when it's way too carbonated. So I poured it a little harder for this second round. That might uh, improve it a little bit. Um... There was a lemony, citrusy flavor. It says orange, but I'm getting lemon all the way through. And I wrote here that there's a, a substantial malt presence, and that's true. So you hit the first the first sip, you're going to get... There's a hop characteristic there, obviously. There's a sweet tropical fruit, but very subtle. And then on the turn, there's like a very deep maltiness there, like a bready-like sweetness, which is actually quite you know, enjoyable. Uh, which which was was really good for me because it balanced with the hops pretty well uh, then I said that the uh, then I wrote this because this is actually what I think really is what this beer is all about it's not a juice bomb and it's not a New England style IPA in my opinion this is just a really mellow IPA okay I wrote here uh, this thing wants to be a juice bomb but it's it does not hit the mark there's an alcohol heat at the end that I think should not be there which is true uh, when you really when you finish this beer uh, like when you're done done and you just have a moment to sit there, that you get a little bit of an alcohol heat, a little bit of a burn, and it's a 6% ABV. Why am I getting that? That shouldn't that shouldn't be happening. You know, it's, it's only 6% after all. And I'm like, okay, look, it is hazy. Don't get me wrong. It has the look of a New England-style IPA. It really does. But by the New by my standards of a New England-style IPA, doesn't it just doesn't hit it. It's just a... I said it's a very mellow IPA for me, and that this beer is having a little bit of an identity crisis. It's not... It's it's just not hitting it for me. It's not there. So it's not a juice bomb, and it's not a um, an out-of-the-park IPA. It's, it's an interesting beer because it doesn't necessarily hit all the marks that you would want in each style. So if I'm having just a regular IPA, I want that bitterness. I want that dryness. I want that, that hop flavor. I want... I want that that punch and if it's a new england style ipa like a real juice bomb i want to have something that's so sweet and refreshing and satisfying in the front and then you know you get a little bit of a hop bitterness and and a clean finish with the hops uh in the back end so it doesn't do either of that here but nonetheless it's a pretty refreshing beer and i think what saves it like i i touched on this before what saves this beer is the maltiness that we're getting in the middle it is a very, very pleasant, very uh, pl pleasant flavor that we have in that middle. I gave this an overall five out of ten, which means it's not terrible, which means it's not great. It's middle of the road type stuff. You know, you, you, I'm not going to write home about it. I'm not going to tell you to go out and get it. 
maybe try it if you if you spot it and tell me if you think differently but i just think this is a middle of the road ipa that just like i wouldn't put this out there as a representation of a new england style ipa like i think i'd be doing a disservice if i took someone out of the because i've been telling eric like i want him to get him you know we got the email about him i still haven't told him about it i want to get him on the show for for you know to have a, a, a nice podcast with him because he hasn't been on so long and he hasn't had one of these new england style ipas yet and like i want to find the one that like i think best represents what in essence it's all about and have him have it and then be like listen man this is what this is what what's going on right now out there in the world of beer speaking of new england style ipas and just beer in general. So I was out at Target with the uh, with the wife. Uh oh, what happened? Oh no, it's okay. Oh shit, is this freezing on me? Uh, no, we're good. Okay, anyway. Um, oh, let me turn this off real quick. So, come on, why aren't you working? Is nothing going to work for me right now? That makes sense. Out at Target with the wife, and the the cool thing about Target is that there's a refrigerated section, and when you have a refrigerated section, you know that there's probably going to be beer. So they have a decent beer selection in terms of like macro beers. You know, they got all the the craft beers that have sold out out there. You know, you'll find even yet, yeah, but you'll find some some hidden gems in there, such as uh, New Belgium Fat Tire, and anything else from New Belgium. And I saw Sam Adams Boston Lager there, and it had the independent craft label. So I don't know. I got to really figure out what's going on when it comes to the independent craft label and who's in and who's not. Because I did a whole Boston Lager episode where I sang it to the high heavens, but then trashed it and said, don't get it because it's not craft. Meanwhile, they're, you know, it's got the fucking stamp on it. So, I mean, it has to mean it, right? So that's a bit... That, that's neither here nor there. But what happened was, I look at anytime there's a beer section in any store or any, you know, grocer or anything like that or supermarket, I'm going to go to the beer section. I'm going to see what's up. I mean, that's, just, that's just me. It's an automatic thing. I go there. I don't have a drinking problem. It's just that I'm really into the culture of beer and into craft beer in general. And I want to see what's on the shelves. So I get into the Target area. Uh, Bell's Two-Hearted Ale. And I was like, oh, shit. You know, Bell's is legit. You know, they're, they're craft and everything like that. And it was on fucking sale. I, there's, there's only two six-packs left because, obviously, somebody who listens to the show or someone who should be listening to the show spotted it before I did. You know, it's a pretty huge fridge. There's only two six-packs left, and I think it was on sale for, like, seven ninety nine. It was regularly, like, ten ninety nine. So I immediately just grabbed those two because I didn't want anyone else getting their, their dirty little hands on it. And then I had to go find my wife because she had the cart. I was like, because I told her, I was like, I'm going to do some advanced scouting. I'm going to go forward into the refrigerated section and try to find some salmon, which I didn't do. I went immediately to find the beer. So now I got to find her. I find her. I put it down. And I was just like, I thought I spotted something else. I got to go back. I go back. And in there was Sierra Nevada. Hazy little thing, I think it was called IP uh, New England style IPA, and I was like, "Holy shit!" And you know, I gotta get it. You know, I did. I grabbed the six pack off the, uh, you know, out of the shelf there, and because this is the, this is what it's all about. You want to see what what's good out there. And I remember when I was talking to Pete uh, when I was over his house when we had the Sierra Nevada Brute IPA. It was a second Brute that was just a fucking dud for me. He said, "Would you ever try it again?" I said, "I don't think it has anything to do with the." the brewery or the style it's just maybe i'm just turned off and don't like it so 
Sierra Nevada let me down when it came to the brewed IPA. So when I looked at that that New England style Niepa that they had in there, I was like, let me see if they have what it takes. So I grabbed it, and this, I couldn't wait to get home. It was, it was refrigerated. I put it back in the fridge, and I waited a couple hours, and then, of course, I cracked one open to give it a try. And I'm not going to lie, for the price and for the flavor, it's pretty damn good. Again, would I sit Eric down and say this is the moniker of a New England style IPA? No, of course I'm going to go to that really small batch craft, you know, people who are going to have, I think a little, they're going to pay a little bit more attention to the intricacies of what is going to go into the New England style craft, uh, the New England style IPA. Is it better than the one I'm drinking right now? Yeah, I'm going to say it is. I'm going to say that the Sierra Nevada New England style IPA is actually quite refreshing. This is something that I would bring to the family reunion and say, look, this isn't exactly the best one, but it's pretty darn good. So they did a pretty decent job with that one. It wasn't, it was just muted. It wasn't too bomb. It wasn't too juice bomb. It wasn't too sweet. It wasn't too bitter, but it was just, it was a very easygoing beer. And, and I was just really pumped to get it and really excited that it tasted so darn good. Uh, So I still have some up upstairs, you know, waiting for me and stuff like that. So. I just wanted to share that with you. Another thing I wanted to bring up... Oh, where's my phone? Because that's how I run the show now. Another thing I wanted to bring up, and I shared this onto our Facebook earlier uh, in the week. Flagship... Let me find the post, because I really want to get into this now. Because, you know, I believe that the last time I did a Staten Island beer on the show, I reviewed... Oh, my voice cracked there a little bit. I reviewed... Whatchamacallit? Something from Killsborough. And I said they had a very eclectic menu in terms of what their, uh, not to say menu, but their repertoire had a lot of different and crazy beers on there. So, and now I said that Flagship didn't do that. I said Flagship was more of your run-of-the-mill ales and lagers and stuff. And the Rogan Fest is a cool little change-up, you know, and they have the Kolsch, which is really good because, you know, the Kolsch is an easy sell because, uh, let me not say an easy sell. I mean, no disrespect to these breweries, obviously. The Kolsch is going to be an easy sell because it's a damn good beer, you know, otherwise, you know, you could say, oh, look at this, it's a Kolsch. And people are like, that's interesting and intriguing. Let me give it a try. And then when they taste it, it's going to be fucking delicious because guess what? Kolsch's are delicious. So they go out on their Facebook here and they put out a post saying that they're releasing a Super Akai is it Akai? Sour Ale. And they're having a release party uh, on Saturday, April 13th at 7pm. At 11.59, so I guess at midnight they're going to be having it. It says here, uh, the host at Flagship Brewery, April 13th, come celebrate the release of our Super Akai Sour Ale. This wild ale is infused with 50 gallons of pure organic Akai and is here to rescue rescue you from ordinary beer. We will, be, we will have a local food vendor on site and be jamming out to old school hip-hop all night with DJ Stevie O. Now, what I found really interesting about this is because... Um, or really cool about this is that this is the first time that I'm seeing Flagship do something like this in terms of their beers and I think that's really new and exciting and they're located of course at 40 Minthorn Street in Staten Island uh, New York 10301 there is a parking lot available and if you can make it down there to give this pl- give this stuff a try go for it I'm definitely going to try to make it down there I don't know if I can make it to the um, whatchamacallit I don't think I can make it to the release party. You know, I'm going to be having a baby soon. I probably might have the baby by then, but nonetheless, um, you know, they have an American Pale Ale. They got an American Wit. They got the Metropolitan Lager. They have an IPA. And 
depending on where you go, you could get their Dark Mild, which I've had before. It was on tap at Jimmy Max, which is a pizzeria not too far from here, and it went pretty good with the pizza. It's just that it wasn't selling very well. So I think that flagship, they're doing they're doing something interesting here with this. I'm looking forward to their um, their summer ale that comes out. It is really delicious. It's just so nice to have flagship so close and to have delicious beers within reach. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, <clears throat> I'm going to take a little bit of a bathroom break, and I'll be back in just one second. briefly holding and allowing me to use the bathroom. Don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, you can always email us at freebeersin at gmail.com. Also on our website, there's a contact us tab. All you got to do is just fill out that stuff. You don't have to put your email there. You can just put anything at whatever.com. Uh, answer some simple math and send me your question. We do have one email this week, and I'm going to be getting to it later in the show. Got a lot of beer articles that I want to get to. Um... Really, really excited to be back and to be talking to everybody. I think this is just so much fun doing the show. It's one of my most favorite things in this whole world. And uh, I'm really glad the direction that it's taking. So, as you know, last week I brought up the fire at Common Roots, uh, upstate New York. And uh, so, the Facebook, the Facebook, I, I speak of it as if it is some foreign entity... Uh, really keeps you up to date on things that are going on, you know, because you could just they could just pop in and, and write a little bit of a post, and it's it's a little bit hard to to bring up here on the mobile, but the the Common Roots Brewery uh, changed their logo and everything, and it says "Rising from the Ashes Common Roots Brewery," and they have a phoenix underneath the tree roots that were you know that were on their logo. And on their website, I mean, on their Facebook, uh, for a limited time, right now, you could go and purchase one of these shirts to raise money uh, for for to uh, to help fundraise uh, for their store. It says here, our friends at Screen Designs Incorporated. This is from April second, by the way. Um, our friends at Screen Designs Incorporated, a partner of Capital Craft Beverage Trail, have graciously created three Rising from the Ashes T-shirts and one sweatshirt. Uh, the Common Roots fundraising store will be open until April 20th. All the proceeds will be donated back to the Common Roots Brewing Company team to help offset some of the rebuilding um, rebuilding cost. I actually I went on there on their site. I know that said that there's only three or whatever. I went on there and I purchased. I purchased one of these shirts, okay, with the Phoenix underneath. I was able to get one. I don't know if I got one of the last ones. I don't know how. But all I know is that there's 15 days left for you to... Okay, so wait a minute. So this is... Okay, it says here, Common Roots uh, Brewing uh, Company faced a terrible fire at their brewery and tasting room in Glen Falls as a member of the CCBT. We want to offer support by providing this fundraiser to help offset some of the costs to the rebuild. Proceeds from this store will be given to help the Common Roots Company Brewing Company come back even 
stronger. Uh, like I said, it ends on April 20th, 2019. So if you're looking on buying, if you, if you want plan on buying one of these shirts, I've already shared the link and I pinned it to the top of Three Beers In. So you can go there right now and get it. And they've already raised $2,309. Excuse me. Um, with that, there's also a GoFundMe. And um, actually, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna bring that up right now, so I could, so I could at least give you guys some accurate information on that. Go fund. Let me see here. Go fund me common roots. And that should give me a little bit of a, um, a little bit of. Okay, so their goal is fifty thousand dollars, and in eight days they've made they have raised twenty eight thousand nine hundred and twenty five. It is uh, trending right now. And, I mean, just the outpouring of support that you see on their Facebook and in the social media and stuff like that, it's just so incredible to look at. And it's just so good and and awesome. And it makes me really happy to see this because being that I'm a part of this community in a sense. I mean, I'm of course, I'm, I'm not a, a brewery. I'm not anything like that. I'm just a fan of this stuff. But to see that there's just this outpouring of support. I mean, this guy fucking wrote a song and posted it to them. They liked the, the thing that I posted. It's really something else. And and then this guy who, who obviously is the, you know, part owner. I mean, he owns it with his son for crying out loud. How mom and pop can you get? He goes out there and he, he puts out an article or, or a blurb about his message about the whole thing and how every night he said goodnight to the brewery for all the good things that it brought to him in his life. And it's just so incredible. It's so moving and so touching. And I'm just so happy to see that there's, there's this, this call to action, so to speak from people in the craft brew community and in that general community to just get out there and help these people and stuff like that. And, and I just think it's really a fantastic. And if you could find yourself some common roots beer out there, get it. It's fucking delicious. And if you could find a way to maybe donate a little bit to the GoFundMe or get yourself one of these shirts, I know I'm getting one. It's coming in the mail. It's going to be here, uh, I think in May. So it's going to take a while, but I know that I've donated to this cause in some way. And I've, I put my, I put my mark on it in, in some way, shape, or form, and I'm trying to tell people out there that, uh, that this is just, you know, it's happened, and there is a way for you to help, okay? There is a way for you to help. So I do have a, a whole bunch of news articles that I want to get to, and I do have an email that I want to talk about, but I want to just touch on something really quick. Um, I'm actually watching baseball this year, and I'm liking it, okay? So I don't know if this is, like, something that maybe happens with age, because <laughs> I'm 31 years old now, you know? I'm a, I'm up there, you know, in my years. But uh, I found it, uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm a, so I've always had a love for baseball in some way, you know? I remember when I was a kid growing up, baseball was, like, the number one thing. Then when I hit high school, especially after high school, like, when I graduated, you know, high school just—I mean, uh, b- baseball just kind of took it to the, took a seat in the back. I mean, I really didn't pay attention to it whatsoever and stuff like that. You know, other sports came into the fold, and uh, you know, I'm I'm sitting here. You know, opening day comes around. Uh, you know, and I wanted to watch, and I've been watching the baseball game. So I've been watching. I've tried to watch, and I have successfully seen every single Met game uh, so far this season. You know, and it's a hell of a lot easier to watch baseball at work than it is to watch soccer. You know, I watched the entire. Well, I wa- quote unquote watched. I listened to the broadcast of the entire World Cup uh, this past summer because I'm a huge soccer fan, and uh, it's so much easier to watch baseball because it's a bit. It's you know, it's a slower game, and you. They tell you when the pitch is about to come, so you could just very quickly glance over at your phone and see. 
see what happens then you get back to work so it's really really great for excuse me sorry about that for you know for watching at work because that's what every good american should do be productive and also watch baseball at the same time but the one thing that um I want to try to keep up with it. I want to really try to watch baseball as much as I can this year because I've always just... I've, this kind of happens to me every opening day. I get all excited and I want to watch it and stuff like that. And then it just f- fades out and I stop watching because the season is 900 years long. And the one thing I realized too, trying to do this, I was like, you know what? I'm not even going to try to stream the games and watch them. I just want to listen to them on the radio. It's impossible to do that now unless you have an actual fucking radio you know, everyone relies on their smartphones and stuff like that. You know, when, when smartphones first came out, like these iPhones and everything like that, you were they had FM tuners and AM tuners, some of them. Some of them had AM tuners built into them, and you could listen to the fucking radio on them. I, I remember it was on my, my... I had an Android phone that did that, and I think my BlackBerry did it too. And, you know, with the iPhone and everything, and everything is apps now and streaming and stuff like that. So, you know, it said, like, you could listen to it on TuneIn Radio. So I was like, okay, let me download TuneIn Radio. I downloaded TuneIn Radio. It's like you got to pay nine ninety nine a month to listen to the radio through an app. So it's like you'd, you'd rather forego just having an actual FM radio you could plug your headphones into, you know, to just have the convenience to have it on your phone to pay nine ninety nine a month for it. For what, I guess you get an HD quality, but it's just like, really? Everything is now just a subscription and for streaming and stuff like that? It's just, it seems so dirty to me. You should be able to hear the baseball game. That shouldn't be a premium, you know? You should be able to just pop it on in, in any way, shape, or form. Even if you stream it from the site. I couldn't even get it on, like, the FA, because I don't even think they have it on FA anymore. I go on fucking 710WR and fucking Rush Limbaugh is cho- talking to me. I don't want to hear that asshole. I want to li- hear the fucking baseball game. So, you know what I did? I did, the, I did the right thing. I went on Reddit, I found the stream, and I watched it illegally. So, if that's, if that's some solace to this little rant that I had right now about how you can't watch a, base- you can't watch a baseball game on the, or listening to it on the radio no more. It's not allowed. But, nonetheless... Moving along here, I might be get I might get my haircut tomorrow. No, on Saturday, for the first time, like by appointment at like a boutique haircutting place. Because I look at it like this, right? I have this incredible beard, but it's just out of control. You know, I think that in the hands of the of 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 a capable professional barber, that can really do something i think maybe you make me look beautiful i want him to i want him to trim this baby down to make it look modern i got a good mustache i got a good beard i think he could i think he could mold it into something beautiful and then maybe do something with my actual hair so this is the i I wanted to share this everybody because this is the first time i've ever gone to like a hairstylist every haircut i've ever gotten in my life for the first for the first like 27 years of my life the one woman cut my hair jenny at, at um, what was it, Michelangelo's, and then it became Hair Razors, and then Hair Razors closed down. I got God knows where Jenny is now. I hope she's okay. But she cut my hair from like birth until I was like 27 years old, and then all this, all this other stuff happened. So then I was like in that crisis of trying to find a barber. We've talked about barbers extensively on the show before, and how Rob never tipped the barbers. So this is the first time I'm actually having to make an appointment to get my hair cut at a place that's only opened on like Saturdays and Sundays. It's got great Yelp reviews. Okay. There's a hot towel involved. I don't know what to expect. I, I don't like when people touch me, you know, I'm not a massage person and I'm not a hot towel 
rub you down person. I don't know what's going to happen. I just hope that I don't get, you know, in trouble or anything like that. You know, and, and speaking of hot towels, when I was at Ari Rang not too long ago, they give you these fucking, first of all, it's hot as fuck because there's fire all around you and there's no, there's no one who cracked a fucking window. It's steaming hot in there. And then they give you a hot towel to wipe your hands down with. All it do is just fucking make me more uncomfortable. I don't get the whole hot towel thing. It's just too hot for me. But anyway, let's get into the beer articles that we have here for the for the um, for the week. Hold on, I gotta get the my, this fucking laptop is on its last leg. I will tell you that. So here we go for the beer news, ladies and gentlemen. This article is out of USA Today, and it says that craft beer sales continue growth now amount to twenty four percent of total one hundred and fourteen billion dollar. U.S. beer market, and that's some good news. Retail sales of craft beer rose 7% in 2018 to $27.58 billion, according to the Brewers Association, a trade group representing thousands of small independent brewers, which I gotta get to the bottom of. I don't know what their fucking deal is about, because I actually read another article that I was gonna talk about on the show, but then it became a little bit complicated, that when they ran these numbers, that they didn't include Sam Adams. Right, but they have the stamp, so I don't fucking get it. I don't know. But the sales surge helped craft brewers to 24.2% share of the 114.2 billion dollars of U.S. beer market. Uh, that's up from that's up from 23.4% last year in a basically flat beer market. Last year, the U.S. total hit uh, 111 billion. Uh, that's what they estimate. Uh, the number of breweries in the United States also grew. Uh, and craft brewers are making more beer, producing 25.9 million barrels, up 4% over 2017. Uh, craft brewers also uh, grew their share of beer volume to 11.2% of overall. You know, come on. There's just so many numbers here. But what did I expect from, like, a USA Today article about uh, craft beer and stuff like that? Uh, we continue to see beer lovers demand more fuller-flavored beer from small and independent breweries, this guy Watson said. But that growth level isn't what it has been, and that is going to pose challenges for breweries that build their businesses, their business model around large chunks of growth. Okay, I don't know much about business, but, I mean, just, if, you, I don't know. I don't know anything. I don't know much about business, but I do know this. If it's craft, I'm going to buy it and um, support your local craft breweries, everybody. That's all you can do. Just keep doing that. I'm going to have a sip now. This next article ooh, comes out of uh, Kansas, ladies and gentlemen, and the impact of strong beer is having... It's a local story. The impact strong beer is having on local liquor stores. Okay, out of Wichita, Kansas. Grocery and convenience stores in Kansas can now sell strong beer up to 6% alcohol. But f- so... F- wait a minute. That, that's... That's the limit? You could only do 6%? Hang on a second. Let me continue reading. By the way, I don't really read these articles before I bring them to the people. I kind of read them on the fly, as you could tell right now, and then give you my comment later. But I stopped just now to give a comment now. But so far, many liquor store owners in Wichita are not seeing a drop in customers coming in to buy beer. A drop, not seeing a drop in customers are not see- oh, so no one's even going to buy it. These uh, those effects. Um, 
Some say might come later down the road. I haven't noticed any difference, said David Binter, uh, owner of Derby Wine and Spirits and Central Market Wine and Spirits. Oh, so they've never seen... Okay. So since they've upped the limit to 6%, these local businesses haven't seen a, a, a drop-off. Uh, I don't feel like it's going to be detrimental by any means, another store owner said. As long as we can adapt and grow, we'll be okay. Be okay. With strong beer becoming available at grocery and convenience stores, many liquor stores have altered their shops and made renovations to accommodate the new law. Okay. You can't beat them, join them. Liquor stores are now allowed to sell drinks, snacks, and other non-alcoholic products as long as the profit doesn't exceed 20% of gross sales. They can also sell tobacco. This seems very un-American to me. You know, that the, <laughs> you have so many limits. So a liquor store was not allowed to sell snacks and other non-alcoholic products. So you mean if I go in to buy a margarita, like I'm going to buy tequila to make margaritas, there's going to be no margarita mix in there? That's terrible. Wow. And you can only limit it to an amount that you can have in there. The reaction has been overwhelmingly positive, says uh, Jeff Bertelt. Owner of RJ Discount Listers, the, uh, these new sales are opening the door for even more customers, possibly booming businesses for some stores. I plan on adding a lot of items. I'm very enthused by this law change. This is really crazy. I can't believe there's a law preventing all of this stuff. Damn, Kansas. While many shop owners in Wichita say they think their businesses will be okay, despite uh, stores now carrying stronger beer, they fear uh, they fear for small town Kansas and smaller mom and pops. Uh, in the state. Okay, so Wichita apparently is like their their big city. Uh, Kansas has more than 750 liquor stores and all of them are owned by Kansans, opposite of the big name retailers that now carry uh, strong beer. It's already cost stores in Kansas. <laughs> oh Jesus, excuse me. But this little change uh, we feel is going to be harder on small town Kansas. I can't just keep talking about Kansas, but it says here in 10 years al alcohol beverage control will give Kansas legislators a report uh, that in includes the impact of strong beer sales um, on local businesses. Did someone needs to tell Kansans l in the legislature that six percent is not strong beer? I'm drinking six percent right now, and I'm complaining that I taste the alcohol. Okay, not necessarily complaining, but I'm just I'm saying that it was too harsh. You know, I didn't want to feel the alcohol burn for a six percent. Speaking of that, I'm gonna grab that, but. 6%, I mean, get these people... They're never going to have a Niepa out there. They're never going to have a barrel-aged anything out there. Shit. God damn. They're not going to have any good craft beer out in Kansas. By the way, if you're listening and you're from Kansas, please email me. I would love to hear about the bullshit you got to deal with out in Kansas when it comes to beer. Man, this beer's carbonated. Look at that. That's, that's four fingers of head right there. Okay. I'm going to cut the music for the next one because I know that this one's going to get a little crazy. It's not going to get crazy, but Avery Brewing expands majority investments with Mahau San Miguel. Mahau San Miguel. Uh, this morning, Boulder-based Avery Brewing... This was um, on April 2nd. This is from PorchDrinking.com. This morning, Boulder-based Avery Brewing announced that it has increased its partnership uh, with Spanish family-owned Mahau San Miguel... Uh, what began as a 30% minority agreement, it's now 70% majority. So they've completely sold out. Avery's done. Avery's completely done. And I, I'm not gonna. I'm. I, I'm gonna read more because there's some details in here that I think are important. Uh, because this is where it touches on what what happened with founders. And when I put that founders article up, it's it's, it's a part of it. Uh, Mahau. 
uh, first made waves in the U.S. with a 30% investment agreement with Grand Rapids-based Founders Brewery uh, Brewing in 2014, and it added Avery Brewing to their portfolio uh, three years later. Um, while the original alignment between Avery and Mahau centered around wanting to bring 25-year-old U.S. brewery, bring the 25-year-old U.S. brewery to a greater international footprint and assistance with uh, strategic and financial growth following the move uh, to a new $27 million facility in February 2015. Today's announcement focused more on deepening its presence domestically, while also aligning more closely with founders to focus on strengthening their reach within sales and marketing and national accounts. So, here's the deal. What I read there is someone is coming in, this this fucking company is coming in and snatching up these craft breweries and trying to create a monopoly. They're going to try to be the InBev, so to speak, of craft. That's what they're going to try to do. They're going to try to come in here. They're going to try to snatch it up, and they're going to they're going to ruin it all. That that's what that's what this is telling me right here. That this is the they're laying the groundwork for the takeover. This type of news is is something that it's like okay. So with Lagunitas, with founders, places like that. Ballast Point. They fucking sold for like a billion, but Ballast Point. You know, um, Alessian. Th- these breweries are selling are, are selling out, and guess what they're going to do? You know, they're going to keep the, gr- the great people that work there. They're going to... They're going to make great beer. They're going to have a, a, a fundamentally different footing in the industry, and it and the the bottom line here is it serves no one who actually cares about craft beer, and all it's going to do is hurt the craft beer industry. That's what happens when these when when this is the situation when when these breweries sell to these conglomerates to these to these huge um, these huge places, and this particular one, the Mahau. I'm just going to call him Sam Miguel from now on. Sam Miguel, out of fucking Spain, are are picking their they're picking it apart. I mean, Founders huge, huge in the craft beer community. Everyone loves Founders, and they still do. They still do because it's delicious. You know, they still make delicious beer, and you don't want to drink it because you don't want to take craft beer and 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 throw it through the muck. Our focus right now is growing our presence in Colorado and across the U.S says the marketing director. Our partnership with Mahau has provided a wider breadth of resources, no shit, opportunities to connect on strategy, marketing, press, and campaign assistance. But it's a two-way street. We're teaching them about our market. Come on. What about, that, I mean, listen, my whole, my whole approach about the sellout thing now is really changing because like this is just such bullshit. The fact that he's like, well, we're going to be teaching them a thing or two. 70% they're owned. They're, they're, you're not you anymore. You're owned 70% by a company in Spain. I'm sure they're going to love the payout, but damn. Damn. Let's, let's try to end this on a lighter note here. Uh, this is from a, a, a website called howmuch.net, which is really interesting. How much does a pint of beer cost around the world? Interesting. I like this. Our latest visualization maps out the average prices of a pint of beer, defined as 11.2 ounces, in major cities across the globe. The data comes from a list compiled by the Wall Street Journal and is used, uh, which used the beer price index for travel aggregator site Omeo, Omeo, to compare prices across different cities. For comparison purposes, foreign currencies were converted into U.S. dollars. For our visualization, we use the average beer price at a bar rather than the supermarket. I like that. So here we go. Global cities with the most expensive pints of beer. 
before we continue that, I'm going to take a sip. It's hard to drink on a beer show. When you ever think of that. So the this is the top five right now. Most expensive pints of beer. It's heartbreaking to read this. Number one, Hong Kong, China. $10.86 for a beer. Holy mackerel. I would be fucking livid if that was the situation. Geneva, Switzerland. $10.77. Tel Aviv, Israel. $9.53. New York, USA. $8.97. And the same is for Miami. $8.97. I will say this. When you try to go to get beers in Manhattan, yes, you're going to be paying a ridiculous amount. It is about $8. If you're if you're local, if you're in the five boroughs and you're in, I think, I, I would say maybe Brooklyn might be more fair. In Staten Island, you're not going to be paying anywhere near that amount. And this, this is why Happy Hour was fucking invented. My God. Global cities with the least expensive pints of beer. Bratislava, Slovakia, $2.22 for a beer. Delhi, India, $2.31 for a beer. Kiev, Ukraine, $2.36 for a beer. Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam, two fifty-eight, And Krakow, Poland, two seventy. And it gives you here a visualization. It's like it's really cool because there's a map involved, and it's really really nice because like they use like bottle caps to kind of like make it bigger. How much is it in Berlin? It's four thousand thirty-seven cents. Munich five thirty-two, and in Frankfurt, Germany five fifty-four. How dare they? How dare they, ladies and gentlemen? And to close us out for this show, got one email. I think we got one email. Let me check the emails real quick. We might have more than uh, just one here. Uh, nope, I got this here. Yes, you're welcome. This was them actually saying that they were happy, and that my stuff is good. Um, Ninja, uh, well, Ninja Four, that's the Craig, uh, out of I think he says Wisconsin here. Well, it's wonderful. Heard your episode about doing wheat beers. There are many good ones. Try Oberon from Bell since you're cool with them now. I might do that. You know, the funny thing about this is like I was trying to I was trying to see like I was trying to scope out what craft like wheat beers are out there a lot of them are just summer ales so I might because I love Hefeweizen beers and that's the German style of wheat beer and I'm really and I really like those but the thing about the the Americanized version of the Hefeweizen is nowhere near as delicious as a Hefeweizen is but I am excited I'm going to introduce a new segment onto the show it's going to be bonus content it will be listed as bonus content in the the description and in the application that you're using it won't be uh, listed as bonus content on the website however either way it will not be considered an episode but there will be wheat beer wednesday coming up ladies and gentlemen and on wheat beer wednesday I will only do, there's no news, there's no nothing. All I do is a, beer, a pure beer review of a wheat beer. That is craft, and we will see what reigns supreme. I will rate them. Oh, my goodness, I'm going to be so technical with the ratings. I want to find the wheat beer that I enjoy, whether it's a summer ale, whether it's you know an American wheat beer, whether it's a Hefeweizen. I'm going to find a craft beer that's wheat that I like and that has the stamp of approval from three beers in. And ladies and gentlemen, with that, that is going to be the conclusion of this week's show. I'm under an hour by quite a bit. But you know what? Sometimes that's how it goes. That's how it goes, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thank you all for listening. I really do appreciate it. Uh, hopefully, we'll be back for episode 135 on, you know, soon. I don't know. This baby might be coming at any moment now. We're in the home stretch, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, though, for listening. You know, 
Tell me what beers you're drinking, everybody. Email me. Tell me what you're drinking. Let's talk about beer. That's what it's all about, ladies and gentlemen. Cheers. Have a great week. All right. Let's go.